0: Podcast. For more information about the Circuit Riders, visit us at crmovement.com. Well, I have a new favorite song now. That last song we sang, Come What May. I mean, the band says, can we do one more song? I go, no, no, stop there, because I just want to rest in that. And dwell on that, those words, the simplicity of just saying whatever happens, this is what I'm going to do. You know, too many people quit when it gets difficult, and so many people stop when they don't see the fruit that they're expecting, or the persecution comes, and that's, that's not Christianity. Christianity goes to the cross, that means us. Jesus isn't just our Savior, he is our role model, Okay? There's not, you know, yes, there's moments like in the garden where it's like, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way, God, is there any other way you can do I mean, this is real. This is Jesus in all of his humanity going, my God, I I mean, I I picture that in the garden sometimes. I mean, can you imagine Jesus just asking the Father, is there any other? He goes, he goes, you're God. He says you, his words are, you can do all things. So can you take this cup from me? Think of those words. Daddy, you can do anything. You're the omnipotent God. So can you take this cup from me? But not my will, but yours be done. And the thought that it says that it pleased the father to crush him. That whole interaction, that whole exchange is so mind-blowing i think sometimes we don't we, you know we we learn this stuff but we don't sit there and just freak out about it enough i mean I, w- I was thinking about what i was talking about last night okay so there's a god who dwells in unapproachable light right it's like standing on the sun right it's like this is impossible how could i ever how could i ever say i stood before an atomic bomb okay that's nothing that's not that's like a sparkler to god okay and the thought of how can i ever stand in his presence but then what the bible says in ephesians 5 is says there is a profound mystery and it's christ in the church that we are actually members of his body okay so you're telling me there's a God who dwells in unapproachable light and he looks at us as members of his body. He's just like, like, like your, your hands, your fingers. Because no one hates his body. He nourishes and cherishes us. And he says, that's the way that that holy, holy, holy God feels about me. And Ephesians 5 says, this is a profound mystery. Okay, so you're telling me up there, high and exalted is this holy God who controls everything and because of what Jesus did on the cross now I'm a member of his body how do you attach yourself to the son how do you attach yourself to God himself and he says, this is a profound mystery you're part of me now you're part of my body just like your arm is a part of your body profound mystery and so when we take of the bread and we take of the cup what are we taking of the body of christ but the crazy thing is we are the body of christ now what 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 is all of this like we're, we're partaking of ourselves in a sense like, we're one with God. You guys, you need to just sit sometime and try to meditate on these things. He says it's a profound mystery. It's not something you just check off on a test and go, are you a member of the body of Christ? Yes. No, he says it's a mystery you should stare at. I realized for so much of my life, I just gave answers. I didn't give mystery. And 1 Corinthians 4, Uh, Paul says, let all men regard us as this, servants of God and stewards of the mysteries of God. Because this is all I want to be known for is a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God. Man, when I read that verse, I'm like, God, I have not been a steward of the mysteries. I don't, I don't sit there and get people to think. I haven't even dwelt enough on the fact that right now, as I'm sitting here right now, how in the world am I attached to God, almighty God? How in the world could Christ look at me like a member of his body? Does he love me that much? He nourishes and cherishes me like that? That's impossible. How can that happen? And and when you meditate on these mysteries, this is what gives you that joy in life. This is why you say, come what may, I'll obey. Are you kidding me? I get this amazing privilege, this profound mystery of being a member of the body of Christ. And I am the righteousness of God. (laughs) These are not like, oh, that's cool. Type of thoughts. This is what should change your life, right? And I think that's what drives us nuts is we, we go to these things called church services and we look around and, and, and it's like, well, if everything's just right, I'll show up. And you're like, what are you talking about? This is life, this is everything. But that song, come what may, I will obey. And then whatever it says next. But then that one part about I'll stand. What does it go? The persecution. How's it go? Oh, when persecution comes, I'll stand with you. And am bringing you praise. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to get the lyrics later and chords and everything. Um, seriously, we're going to sing it this Sunday when I get home. Um, it's just. Who did? Shut up, Andy? No, you didn't. No way. Oh, okay, so that's different. You didn't actually write it as a song because you don't seem musical. Now you know, you just, no. He what? He can sing and play guitar? No way. Oh, man. that's crazy that's good that's a mystery um, i would never have guessed that i don't know why I just don't look like you'd be able to pull that off um, here's here's the passage that uh that the lord was uh putting on my heart um to share with you this morning first i don't know where it'll go from here but this is the first passage and I felt like it went so well with that song, Um, but it's Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews 5, starting in verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Okay, let's just stop right there. Did you ever know this? I mean, you guys know Jesus prayed. We all know Jesus prayed. But he says, in the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. That verse fascinates me. I would expect it to say, and he was heard because he's the son of God, right? He's the only begotten son of God. This is why his prayers were heard, duh, right? But that's not what the verse says. It says he prayed and he had such loud cries in his supplication and with tears he's screaming to God and the Bible says God the Father heard Jesus because of his reverence. That's a shocking verse to me. I never heard anyone preach that. Jesus was heard because of his reverence. He understood he was who he was coming before, but that's his father. But there's a reverence he had. So how dare we pray? in some of the ways that I've heard, people pray and some of the ways that I've prayed with no, that's why sometimes it's hard for me to even come on a stage and pray because I go, man, about half the time I'm insincere because I'm thinking about people, I'm thinking about so many other things, and I can just start saying words, and it's just not real. Meanwhile, you've got the Son of God who was heard because of his reverence. It's fascinating. And the next verse is probably more so to me. Although he, Jesus, was a son, he... Learned obedience through what he suffered. Wait, Jesus? First of all, Jesus learned is a weird phrase. But you've got to understand. I mean, he took on flesh, he didn't come out of the womb and start preaching. He learned how to drink, he learned how to breathe, he learned how to eat. He learned how to speak. And here it says he learned obedience through what he suffered. Okay, if Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering, what does that say for you and me? If Jesus was heard because of his reverence, what does that say for us? Man, I'm just meditating on that verse because I'll—I'll be perfectly honest. I hate pain. (laughs) I mean, I'm not like one of those guys that's just like, "Oh, they're hitting me. I don't care." You know, like—I mean, I just—I don't like pain. I don't like suffering. I don't like any of that stuff, man. And, and like even when it comes to humility, you know how the Bible says, humble yourselves. Man, my whole life I've been saying, okay, God, your word says to humble thyself. Humble yourself. So I am going to do it myself. Let me humble myself because I don't want you to do it. Right? That's in my prayer. God, I don't like when you humble me. Let me do it myself. Humble myself. And my prayer has been, God, I just, I, I want humility, but let me humble myself. Let me, let me just be that humble, obedient servant of yours and let me figure this out. And a lot of that prayer is because I didn't want him to cause any suffering in my life. But that verse that I was sharing with you last night, Isaiah 57, 15, you know, that says the one who is high and, you know, who inhabits eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and lofty place and also with him who is of a low and contrite spirit. Understand, when I talk about humility, I'm not saying I want you to be humble so that you'll be a humble person. I don't want humility just so I can say I'm humble. I want humility so that God will dwell with me. Okay, I want humility because I want God. I want to know that he's there and and, and that he hears me and I want to have that reverence that Jesus had. And I want his presence so badly that lately my prayer has not just been, Lord, let me humble myself, but I'm going, God, whatever it takes, okay, humble me. If it took Jesus' suffering to learn obedience, I'm pretty sure the only way that I could sing a song like come what may I will obey is if he brings suffering into my life. And we live in such a distorted church that feels like suffering is a bad thing. You know, I get it. It's, it's a result of the fall and everything else, but everything we read about Jesus and everything we read in the New Testament is about what God wants to do with the pain in our lives. And that, that Jesus was perfected through this. It's the same thing that James 1 says, right? Consider all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds. Why? Because it's that testing of your faith that produces perseverance, And let perseverance have its perfect results so that you can be perfect and complete, not lacking in anything. It's the same example of Jesus. He was made perfect through his suffering, through the pain. I was sharing last night about the church in China when I was talking to those underground church leaders and how they were saying, man, that was one of their pillars of their church. Their five pillars were a devotion to prayer, a deep commitment to his word, every believer shares the gospel, a regular expectation of miracles, and they embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus. Is this what the church was built on? Why did it spread to over 100 million people? because they had a common commitment. They said, we're devoted to prayer. Hey, okay, we're gonna get on our knees, we're gonna pray, we're going because this is the only way it's gonna happen. Everyone must be devoted to prayer. They must love this interaction with God. Devoted to prayer. Number two, a deep commitment to his word. A deep commitment to his word. Everyone studied the word. It wasn't like I show up and I learn for half an hour every week. No, a deep commitment. Just like that early church, they're devoted to prayer. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Every believer sharing the gospel. Not one guy up front sharing the gospel to masses, but every believer sharing the gospel. That's what the underground church was built on. Everyone shared the gospel. A regular expectation of miracles. When they prayed, they expected. They read the New Testament and they, oh God, we want to see your power. We expect to see your power. We read about what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do and how he manifests in all of our lives. We expect that. Supernatural. But then that last one. We embrace suffering for the glory of jesus this is a really obvious new testament truth i remember when the guy told me i'm like the first four i'm like oh yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and then when he said the fifth pillar we embrace suffering for the glory of christ i'm like whoa that's not what i was waiting (laughs) and that's not what i expected But then I started thinking about it because I went through a phase where I just asked people, man, what what do you see most reputed in the New Testament? What should the church look like? And they would name all these things, but no one named this embracing of suffering. But after the man said it, I was like, he's absolutely right. This is in every book of the New Testament. But the church has become so distorted and our theology of suffering is so messed up that every time something difficult happens, people walk away from God. But that's, but Jesus, 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of his time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. In 1 Peter 4, he says, since Christ suffered in the flesh, he goes, arm yourself. You understand what armor is, right? He says, "Just, just get yourself to where you are armed, like you can't hurt me. I remember when my son was playing baseball, he'd put on that batting helmet, and I would just always throw things at his head, because it was just hilarious, you know, chuck a golf ball is how I want, you know, I (laughs) got a good aim, but it's just bang, 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 and it's just funny, you know, because his head was armed, and that's the idea here, he says arm yourselves, but how do we here arm ourselves? He says, Jesus suffered in the flesh, therefore, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. See, Jesus knew he was going to suffer. He says, look, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus knew, I came on this earth to suffer. That's why when he was going to go to the cross and, and Peter's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. He goes, get behind me, Satan. This is what I came to do. I came to suffer. And so when the suffering comes, he doesn't come to the Father. I'm like, what's happening? He says to the Father, okay, this is the cup. This was it. This was the suffering that you had planned. He goes, but is there any other way? Like he knew it was coming, and he says in the same way, how do you arm yourself with that same way of thinking, going, okay, man, this is not just about taking a mission trip. This is not about just getting fired up and saying, okay, I'm going to preach the gospel, and then, you know, I'll go back and live my life afterwards. No, it's saying, no, I'm going to arm myself. Let me think right now, do I have that mentality of Christ? I wasn't put on the earth to have a happy life. Okay, I need to arm myself like Jesus who says, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what we're here for. And if you arm yourself that way, he says, then you, you can't be hurt. When the suffering comes... See, that's what the Chinese church did. They actually embraced suffering for the glory of Jesus. They, they knew we have to show the world a group of people that are willing to take anything. Like, we're going to follow, come what may, because that's what gives Christ glory, is these fanatics. It's not, oh, these people who, yeah, they followed Jesus, and they became wealthy, they became healthy, they got everything they wanted. No, it's like these people who will suffer and obey and follow no matter what, and they'll go to the ends of the earth because they believe this Jesus is that precious to them. He says, arm yourself with that way of thinking. And that's the way that Chinese church, that's why you couldn't stop them. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I, I mean, remember yesterday we were talking about um, 2 Timothy 3 and how uh, there are people who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In the last days, this is what you're going to find. People who don't really love God, they love pleasure. In fact, there'll be even churches that will try to lure them in with pleasure. Man, come to our church. We'll bring your family back together. Come to our church. God will get you a job. Come to our church. God will do this, 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 this for you. It's drawing them in by their own human desires. By By pleasure. I look at all these events we have at the church. It's going to be a blast. Come here. Oh, okay, I want that. I want that. I want that. And the luring is with loving pleasure, not loving him. And so when the pleasure doesn't come, they're, they're not armed. They're not armed with this type of theology that says, you know what? suffering's going to come. Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. 1 Timothy 4. That's just what's going to happen. I mean, this is what Jesus did from the start. He was arming his disciples. And I just want to arm you with the same type of thought. On the the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 11, he says, blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you Luke 6:23 Be glad in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. This is what Jesus says. He goes, look, rejoice when it happens. Not leave the church when it happens. No, rejoice when it happens. When the suffering comes, when the persecution comes, there's got to be this this DNA in us that so believes in eternity. The soul believes, man, this is is great. Man, I was just persecuted for the gospel. And can you imagine the reward? Jesus promised that the reward would be great in heaven. We've got to embrace suffering. And this may be something so new for a lot of you that was never taught in your church, but I'm saying read through the New Testament. It's all over the place. I'm not making this stuff up some of the first things that Jesus said. He goes, man, that's how they persecuted the prophets. I'm reading through Ezekiel right now and thinking about everything the guy went through. He's got done with Jeremiah, looking at everything he went through. This is what it means to be a follower. That when the persecution comes, we say to Jesus, I stand with you. I stand with you. In fact... I oh, hope I can find the verse. It's in uh, it's in Hebrews, I believe. It's Hebrews, well, or ten, maybe. <laughs> Darn it! Where's that verse? Was ten or twelve? where Christ was crucified outside of the city therefore let's go to him outside of the city anyone know that verse 13:12 where's okay yeah 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 wow thank you okay So look at, look at 13, Hebrews 13, starting in verse 11. For the body of, the, of those animals whose blood is bought, brought into the holy places as a high priest, as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp, and bear the reproach that he endured. You see, you see what he's saying? He's saying like those those offerings. You don't burn them in the city because they're, they're, it was gross. You don't do that. That's that, that's all of our evil placed upon it. So we don't want that in the city. And so what they were saying is all the, all the garbage, all the junk that, uh, that, that you know, like the, the inner parts, the dung and everything else, they'd have to throw outside the city because it was dirty, it was unclean, and you would burn it outside the city. And they said, so when Jesus was crucified, it, he, he wasn't worthy to be put in the middle of the city. They go, you know what, let's put you over there where we throw all of the crap and all of the, the junk, all, all of the, all the garbage. That's where we burn the garbage. That's where we're going to stick you. And what that verse 13 says, well, if, if that's where they're going to put Jesus then i'm going to stand with him i'll walk outside the city i'll be one of the idiots i'll go where the dirt is i'll stand in a pile of crap and stare there at the foot of the cross and i'll bear the reproach that he bore see again it's not that we just want suffering it's that we want jesus and if jesus is going to suffer outside the city i want to be there with him that's the picture here that's what it means to be a follower doesn't mean we sit inside the city and have everyone love us as they stare at Jesus out there being rejected and crucified. He says, hey, let's go join him. The writer of Hebrews says in thirteen thirteen, let us join him out there and bear the reproach that he bore. See, that's the choice you're making. It's like, I want to be perfected in my sufferings. I want to bear the reproach that he bore. I want to become like Jesus. That's why Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, I know a lot of you come from backgrounds where you want to know the power of his resurrection. But did they ever talk about the fellowship of his sufferings? We kind of want to stop the verse right there. Okay, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection but it continues. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be at that cross. That's why Jesus, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And when you arm yourself with that type of thinking, now you're unstoppable. If you have the mindset of the cross and understand I've decided to follow Jesus, there's no turning back. And I've got this cross, and I'm picking it up, and I'll go. See, Jesus, Jesus, when he had a bunch of people in front of him, he didn't say, hey, come back next week, bring your friends. We're going to have a blast. No, he says, I'm about to walk over there. I'm going to grab that cross right there. And there's a few others. You guys want to grab one with me? Is is, is that precious to be with me, that you would actually carry a cross to be with me? And I'm not saying that I'm some sort of superhuman man, I'll take the pain, I'll take whatever. No, that scares me to death. But the thought of hanging on a cross next to Jesus and the security of walking up the hill with Jesus right with me, like, okay, I'm going to be in paradise with you today, right? You're right here with me. There's something about that you've got to learn to love. I remember the first time I went to Korea, I, uh, I, I, I spoke, some of you guys are too young probably, um, but like 10 or 15 years ago, there were these Korean missionaries that were abducted by the Taliban. I don't know if you remember, there were like 21 of them. And what the Taliban said they were gonna do is they were gonna start killing these missionaries one at a time for the world to see. And I got to have dinner with one of those missionaries, one of the ones who survived. And they ended up, it was a weird thing. Somehow these guys got rid. They killed one guy, beheaded him, threw him out on the road. And then somehow this guy was next in line. And I forget the story, how they got rescued, but it was a weird, thing. I mean, it was all, all over the news. But I was having dinner with this guy and he was telling me about the situation And he was telling me about how someone had a few pages of the Bible and they they just secretly ripped up pieces of the Bible and each had a little piece because he knew they were gonna separate them all. And they wanted to each have the word of God. And and he talked about how there were only, uh, I think there were only two men on the trip. And the other guy that was killed, this guy who was talking to me at dinner said, hey, I found out they're gonna kill us one at a time. And, um, and so the other guy says, uh, well, I'm gonna die first because I'm the pastor and I'm the leader, so I die first. And the guy I was having dinner with says, no, I also am a pastor and I'm older than you. And in Korean culture, man, it's about who's older he goes, So I get to die first. Then the other guy says, That's true, but you've never been ordained as a pastor. <laughs> I know. I die first. And that guy died first. And he talked about, you know, just, just being in this pit, you know, you're in the ground and above you, you just see these guards, you're by yourself. And he's just thinking, I'm next somehow they're rescued you know and it had been like a year or two after the fact and that's when i met with this guy and he says the craziest thing happened though he goes after we got back to Seoul, after we got back to our comfort he says all the people that were on the trip with me they 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 started saying to me pastor don't you wish we were still in afghanistan Because don't you wish you were still imprisoned by the Taliban? Because these women were saying, you know, we've been here, we've been trying to fast, trying to pray, but I can't get that same intimacy with God that I had when I was in that pit. It was like Jesus was right there with me. I wish I was still there. I can't get that back. And I'm listening, going, wait, you'd rather be imprisoned by Taliban right now because you so felt and experienced the presence of Jesus. Is the presence of Jesus that precious? And I started thinking, man, that's so biblical. That's what you see in scripture. It's like when the people were being persecuted. It's when Daniel was put in that lion's den that somehow the presence of God was there. Remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace? And the king looks down and goes, I threw three people down there. Who is that fourth person? There was something about the persecution and the presence of God. God. That's why you have Stephen in the New Testament. Remember when they're ready to stone him? What does he say? He goes, I can see. I see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. Oh my gosh, I see. I literally see him throw the rocks. I could care less. Jesus is that precious. And there's a fellowship that happens with the presence of God amid suffering. And that's why Peter says, look, arm yourself. Arm yourself with this type of thinking. Man, I just want you to get that in your mind right now. Understand what you're signing up for. Man, it's great that you're here. It's great that you wanna go to the nations. We just don't wanna make it feel like a big pep rally and go, man, it's gonna be great. We're gonna kill them. Now, Jesus says, that's not how it works. I'm gonna send you out like sheep amongst wolves. Have fun with that, okay? That's our pep rally here. That's our arm yourself with that type of thinking. So I go out as a sheep amidst wolves. And Jesus says, look, if they hated me, what are they gonna do to you? Embrace you? No, they're going to persecute you also. He goes, no, servant is greater than his master. This is what you're signing up for. And that's why Peter says in in, in 1 Peter 4.12, he continues and he says, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the glory of God, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He says, Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you to test you. Man, people say that this was written during the time of Emperor Nero who literally took Christians, doused them with fuel and lit them on fire. And Peter's writing to them, maybe even the sight of believers being torched to death and saying, don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. This is heavy stuff. It should be common teaching. It's, not, it's everywhere. Man, I can go through every book in the New Testament and show you the suffering. There's so many verses that we just go, man, I never knew that, I never knew that, I never knew that. That's what I'm saying. Get in this book. Read it over and over and over. We're supposed to rejoice in our suffering so that we will rejoice when his glory is revealed. Okay, think about that. Okay, think about the return of Christ. Man, I was talking about suffering in India, you know, a while back to all of these amazing leaders. And when I was done, the head of it all comes forward and says, thank you so much for that message. And he starts calling differently. There's a group about this size, but they were all pastors of like, each of them had like hundreds of congregations. I mean, it was ridiculous. And he starts calling certain people forward. He goes, oh, come, brother so-and-so, come forward, brother. Oh, hey, brother, come come." He says, this, he, he, you just got out of prison after 12 years, right? You finally got to see your daughter. Tell us about it. You, you just got, hey, tell. He goes, in fact, all the pastors that have been in prison, come forward. And I'm sitting there in the front row going, oh, my gosh. Lord, this is, this is amazing. I mean, there was part of me that felt embarrassed, you know, like this was what they presented to the Lord. They're not going to be ashamed when Christ returns. You know, I almost felt, you know, you ever go to like a birthday party or something and you totally forgot to get a gift. And so you stop by the dollar store real quick and get a yo-yo or something and And you show up and people bring these extravagant gifts and you're like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have even brought anything. Don't open mine, don't open mine, you're trying to hide it. I mean, it's just, that's what I felt there. Like, God, these men have offered you their lives. And he says, you know what, suffer because when God's glory is revealed, you're going to rejoice. He goes, rejoice, rejoice in your suffering so that when he returns, because imagine, okay, let's say, let's say I just came from somewhere where it was dangerous and violent and I came here with one arm missing and go, I lost my arm for the sake of the gospel. And then suddenly Jesus returns at that moment. How thrilled am I gonna be when his glory is revealed? Right? Like he says, there's this suffering, there's this fellowship that I go, God, I have not suffered that much for you. The things I've called suffering. God, I want to learn to rejoice in my suffering. This is so uncommon. I tried to think this, because it's all through the New Testament. So I thought to myself this, have I ever, ever in my life when I was suffering in any way for the sake of the gospel, in any tiny way, any bit of suffering, any bit of complaining, have I ever had a believer put his arm around me and go, dude, you must be rejoicing right now? Never. It's always things will get better. This is just a season. Let's pray that it goes away. But when has anyone ever come up to you in the midst of suffering and put their arm around you? go, man, you must be so stoked right now. Can you imagine your reward in heaven right now? Why do we not encourage each other with these words? This needs to be in our vocabulary. We need to learn to embrace suffering for the glory of God. If you and I want that type of fellowship of his sufferings, then we need to arm ourselves in this way and go, you know what? I don't know what you guys are expecting to find when you go out and try to reach unreached people. I don't know what you're expecting to receive when you go on those university campuses. You think everyone's just going to hug you and love you and there's going to be revival everywhere? It didn't work for Jesus. Didn't work for his disciples. They were persecuted. And he says, that's the way all the prophets in the Old Testament, that's what happened to them. He said, rejoice and be glad. And so we didn't want to send you out without arming you and having you think. So I just want you to dwell on these things. We're going we're gonna to take a little break and, uh, right, and come back in about 10 minutes. And um, I know I gave you a lot to chew on, but I would encourage you, man, read this book. If, If I'm saying anything that is unbiblical, show me. But I'm telling you, read it for yourself because it could be that you've been fed like maybe 10 verses your whole life and they've been preached over and over and over again and you've not heard the whole counsel of God's word. Following Christ is a life of suffering that is so worth it And we are some of the weirdest people on earth because we actually rejoice in our sufferings. Amen. All right. Take a break. We'll see you in a little bit. Thank you for listening to the Circuit Rider podcast. For more information about the Circuit Riders, visit us at crmovement.com.